TheExtraordinaryChurch.ca podcast, where ordinary people experience extraordinary life in Jesus Christ. You are about to hear a message that will encourage you to become and experience all that Jesus Christ has for you. Are you ready? Open up your Bibles because something extraordinary is about to happen. Open up your Bibles to the book of 2 Samuel chapter 9. I'm going to read the entire chapter, but nobody panic. It's not that long. I know you've been standing. I know you got a chance to sit down. Why don't you pop up out that seat real quick as we just read the word of the Lord, and I'm going to read quickly. 2 Samuel 9, verses 1 through 13. When you got it, say, I got it. Praise God. Deborah Lee is ready. Thank you, Jesus. All right, let's go ahead and look at this. One day, David asked. That's power in one day. One day, David asked, is anyone in Saul's family still alive? Anyone to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? He summoned a man named Ziba, who had been one of Saul's servants. Are you Ziba? The king asked. Yes, sir, I am. That's how you speak to the king. Yes, sir, I am, Ziba replied. The king then asked him, is anyone still alive from Saul's family? If so, I want to show God's kindness to them. Ziba uh, yeah, Zebra replied, yes, one of uh, Jonathan's sons is still alive. He is crippled in both feet. Where is he, the king asked. In Lodabar, Zeba told him, at the home of Machir, son of Amiel. So David sent for him and brought him from Machir's home. His name was Mephibosheth. He was Jonathan's son and Saul's grandson. When he came to David, he bowed low to the ground in deep respect. David said, greetings, Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth replied, I am your servant. Don't be afraid, David said. I intend to show you, show kindness to you. Wow. Because of my promise to your father, Jonathan, I will give you all the property that once belonged to your grandfather, Saul, and you will eat here with me at the king's table. And Mephibosheth bowed respectfully and exclaimed, Who is your servant that you should show such kindness to a dead dog like then the king summoned Saul's servant Ziba and said, I have given your master's grandson everything that belonged to Saul and his family. You and your sons and servants are to farm the land for him to produce food for your master's household. But Mephibosheth, your master's grandson, will eat here at my table. Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. Ziba replied, yes, my lord, the king, I am your servant and will do. I will do as you have commanded. And from that time on, Mephibosheth ate regularly at David's table like one of the king's own sons. Mephibosheth had a young son named Micah. From then on, all the members of Ziba's household were Mephibosheth's servants. I'm trying to read quickly. And Mephibosheth, who was crippled in both feet, lived in Jerusalem and ate regularly at the king's table. I want to preach this thought to you. Guess who is coming to dinner. Guess who's coming to dinner. Praise God. Help me pray. Father, help us to just feel comfortable in your presence, to receive your love, and to respond to this loving invitation you have extended to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Let me shout out Joel and Stella. It's so good to see you all. I love you. I hadn't seen you since we married you, but that's because you moved to New Brunswick. Praise God. Glad to have you back. Give them some love. Joel and Stella back here at EC. Praise God. 
If you don't know, clearly I named this sermon uh, after a movie that some of you all may be familiar with. Uh, there's two that are out there, but I'm talking about the classic uh, that was filmed in 1967. It was a, a romantic comedy, and if you're not familiar with the icon Sidney Poitier, he starred in uh, the film along with... Uh, uh, Hepburn, and it was just, it was a powerful film for a couple of reasons. Because when they were like, hey, you know, basically their daughter, uh, it's, it's this interracial couple. And if you don't know, uh, brother is white, black and the, and the girl is white. And she's like, hey, I'm bringing my, my friend over, my lover over. And the parents are expecting to see somebody white just like them. And this dark-skinned chocolate brother is standing right before them. And that's just how I lived out my life when I went to my father-in-law. And I said, guess who is coming to dinner? Praise God. Praise God. He said, pull up a chair, son. Let's get down and eat. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. <laughs> so, you know, this movie was actually iconic uh, in a lot of ways, uh, and it really fueled uh, conversation socially or societally speaking because it was the first film that had really portrayed interracial marriages or relationships in a positive light. Up until that point, it always had negative connotations associated with it. And I'm going to try to not make parallels, but pull out some principles that I think in that movie that the scripture showed us today that I read to you. Uh, it's interesting, uh, in the first verse that I read, if you look at 2 Samuel 9 and 1, it says, one day David asked, is anyone in Saul's family still alive? Now, this is an interesting question because I love character studies, and whenever I want to listen to the Bible, like we're on a long road trip, we did it recently, the first thing I did, Bishop, I went right to First and Second Samuel. I don't know what it is about David's life, but it's fascinating stuff. It's riveting entertainment at the very least, even if you are not a believer, because you're like, yo, who lives this kind of life? And so, I was listening to it, and... David asked an interesting question. David, out of all the questions he could ask, he wakes up one morning and says, is there anybody alive in Saul's family that I can show kindness to? Wait a second. Now, David had just brought back the Ark of the Covenant, okay, into the territory of Israel. He's vanquished all of his enemies that are surrounding him. He's experiencing peace and prosperity. God tells him, hey, I'm going to read it to you here in a moment. I made an everlasting covenant with you. Your seed, David, is going to sit on the throne forever. David is experiencing unmerited favor. And one day, he wakes up unsolicited, unprovoked, um, and he just happens to ask this question. Is there anybody from Saul's family who's alive? Out of all of the families, you want to know if anybody's alive in Saul's family? If you don't know, Saul is the one that wanted David dead. This was the guy that was trying to kill, hunt him like an animal. This is the dude that had David hiding out in the cave of Adullam with a bunch of people who were broke, busted, and disgusted, had nothing going on. This is the one that made you disconnect from family and friends and community. The one that had you running for your life. The one that you gave us songs about. 
like the one that you said, God, kill him. The one like breaking their teeth. I mean, listen to what he said here in the 59th Psalm, verses 1 through 5. He said, rescue me from my enemies, O God. Protect me from those who have come to destroy me. Rescue me from these criminals. Save me from these murderers. They have set an ambush for me. Fierce enemies are out there waiting. Lord, though I have not sinned or offended them, I've done nothing wrong, yet they prepare to attack me. Wake up. See what is happening to me, O Lord, O God of heaven's armies, the God of Israel. Wake up and punish those hostile nations. Show no mercy to wicked traitors. David wants to know if there's anybody from Saul's family to whom he can be a blessing. Wow. I want you to imagine being David for just a moment. I want you to imagine waking up one Sunday afternoon because you just decided to sleep in late. And you realize God has done a lot in my life. You started out as a shepherd taking care of your father's sheep in a household where you are ostracized, maligned, and ignored, overlooked. Now you wake up one morning and you're in a palace? <laughs> not playing the harp, not attending to another king. You have to go somewhere and look at your reflection and like, oh, snap. I'm the king. Here's a small excerpt of what David says to, to the Lord here in the seventh chapter of 2 Samuel. 2 Samuel 7, 8, and 9. Now go and say to my servant David, this is what the Lord of uh, heaven's armies has declared. Oh, this is what the Lord said to David, excuse me. I took you from tending sheep in the pasture and selected you to be the leader of my people Israel. I have been with you wherever you have gone, and I have destroyed all your enemies before your eyes. Now I will make your name as famous as anyone who has ever lived on the earth. Praise God. Now, watch David's response. Verse 18 of the same chapter. Then King David went in and sat before the Lord and prayed, Who am I, O sovereign Lord, and what is my family? that you have brought me this far. Can somebody relate? Who am I that you brought me right here to this place? If it had not been for the goodness of God, for the mercy of God, for the kindness of God, God, you brought us a mighty long way. You brought us through heartache and you brought us through tribulation. You brought me from obscurity, God, and here I am in the land of the living, asking in the goodness of God. And now, sovereign Lord, in addition to everything else you speak of giving your servant a lasting dynasty, do you deal with everyone this way, oh sovereign Lord? David says, you know, I feel like you treat me like I'm an only child. Do, are you this good to everybody? Has God been that good to you where you're like, wait a second, do you treat everybody like this? Because if you treated everybody like this, there'd be no way they'd be able to sit down. There'd be no way they'd be able to be quiet about it. Are you this good to everybody, God? What more can I say to you? You know what your servant is really like, sovereign Lord. 
Because of your promise and according to your will, you have done all these great things and have made them known to your servant. How great you are, O sovereign Lord. There is no one like you. We have never even heard of another God like you. Praise God. There is nobody else like Jesus. What other nation on earth is like your people Israel? What other name for yourself when you redeemed your people from Egypt? You performed awesome miracles and drove them, drove out the nations and gods that stood in their way. You made Israel your very own people forever and you, O oh Lord, became their God. See, when you go through some things in life and your memory is not short, it doesn't take you long to be thankful for what God has brought you. When your memory is not short, it doesn't take anybody to convince you to give God praise. When your memory is not short, it's easy to be moved with gratitude. It's easy to be moved with emotions because you know God has been so good to you. Now, let me just be clear. It doesn't mean that everything is good. You just understand that I would rather have my life be what it is with God than ever live a day without him. And David is reflecting on the fact that there is no way in my power that I could have come from this, this shepherd boy to being this king. Nothing about my life was projected to be king of Israel. And David wakes up one day after receiving that kind of covenant from a covenant-keeping God. And he gets up and he says, is there anybody from Saul's family? He actually says, if you read it, he says, where is that at first? I want you to see this real quick. He says, is there anybody I can show God's? Look at verse 3. Then King asked him, is anyone from Saul's family still alive? If so, I want to show God's kindness to them. Praise God. What an interesting question. David could have woken up and said, well, is anybody from Saul's family still alive? Kill him. Because I don't want them to hear about, you know, what happened to Saul and Jonathan. And maybe them get angry and want to rebel. And then, you know, I'm over here minding my own business, chilling. And then somebody trying to climb the walls and lop in my palace and, and try to take me out. He didn't say that. He's like, is anybody alive? And check this out. This is crazy. This is crazy. So his servant, David inquires, and uh, he says, hey, is anybody alive? David wants to show kindness. Now, the, the word for kindness here in the Hebrew is kashed, okay? It's spelled like uh, C-H-E-S-E-D. You almost say like chess, but it's actually pronounced kashed. It's, it's packed with meaning where no single word in the English dictionary or language comes close to defining it. So I've got to give you multiple words to get your mind around the Hebrew word kashed, okay? It is used by God when he is speaking and demonstrating what he wants to do to his people. David uses this word in the same way that God uses the word. The definition of kashed is faithful love, unfailing kindness, mercy, love, loyalty, goodness, graciousness, and godly action. I'm going to show you kashed in the scriptures. Look at Nehemiah 9, 17. Nehemiah 9, 17. They refused to obey 
and did not remember the miracles you had done for them. Instead, they became stubborn and appointed a leader to take them back to their slavery in Egypt. But you are a God of forgiveness, gracious and merciful, slow to become angry and rich in unfailing love. Kashed. Praise God. Look at Isaiah 54 and 10. For the mountains may move and the hills disappear, but even then my faithful love shed for you will remain my covenant of blessing will never be broken says the Lord who has mercy on you David wakes up one morning and says I need to show shed to someone unsolicited unprovoked kindness and mercy to somebody from Saul's family and he links up with Ziba he used to be Saul's servant. And he says, hey, is there anybody in Saul's family still alive to whom I can show kindness to? And Ziba said, yeah, there is someone. Saul's grandson, Jonathan's son, his name is Mephibosheth. He's crippled. And David's like, go get him. He's not like, what's his background? Is he a military warrior? Is he a fighter? Is he a philosopher? Is he a politician? He doesn't ask any of that. He just says, go get him and bring him here. He's alive, bring him here. Now, you got to imagine, on the flip side of this, what is Mephibosheth thinking? The, the people show up, and they're like, hey, bro. They travel to Lodabar. And they're like, uh, the, king, the king has commanded you come see him. Now, you got to realize... He's in Lodabar hiding because his babysitter, when the kingdom was being overturned, dude, she was running, running for her life, running with Mephibosheth. That's why she dropped him. So he's there thinking he's off the radar. And then David's people find him like the... Libyans found Doc in Back to the Future. They found me. I don't know how they found me. Y'all don't know nothing about Back to the Future. It's okay. It's okay. Praise God. He was like, Marty, the Libyans. Anyway, I'm sorry. It's one of my favorite movies. Yeah. Anyway, don't get me distracted. So, Mephibosheth is like, the king wants to see me. Why does he want to see me? Uh, you know what? He, Jesus wants you to come. Well, how did he say my name? I mean, because you know, you could say like Akil, or you could be like Akil, or Akil. It sounds very different. Was it a positive connotation? I need to know these things are important. Don't leave out any details because my life could be at stake here. There's a lot happening. And so they're like, get dressed, come with us. And my man Mephibosheth decides to do this. Now, this is crazy because you also got to think. He's thinking to himself, I should be king. But circumstances out of my control have now put me in a position that I'm living 
beneath who I am. I'm living beneath my lineage. Y'all not going to help me. I'm living beneath where I'm supposed to be. I'm in a far away place. I got there by somebody else's doing. What is happening in my life? Can you imagine getting a call on the day that David wants to see you? David is like, and Mephibosheth shows up. And you got to imagine. Now, this is how he approaches the king. He approaches him real humble. He, matter of fact, it says he low, like I am not a threat to you. And the first thing David says is, greetings, Mephibosheth. I know Mephibosheth's father was like, but to pass out, what a sigh of relief. It's a warm and welcome greeting. Mephibosheth is like, just want to set the record straight. I am your servant. There's more to this statement because the nonverbal communication had to be going off like a radar. Because David saw he was afraid. David responds and says, don't be afraid. I intend to show you kindness because of my promise to your father, Jonathan. David's like, hey, I want to bless you. I want to encourage you. I want to strengthen you. Can you imagine David's servants when he's like, guess who is coming to dinner? And they're like, who? And they're like, Mephibosheth. He's like, Mephibosheth. And they're like, Mahu? Saul's grandson? You want him to come and eat at your table? And David's like, hey, I want to bless you. Watch this. He says, I want you to sit at my table from now on. Now, this is important because Mephibosheth is thinking to myself, well, this is probably just a little one-and-done scenario. No, no, no. David's like, I didn't bring you here to visit. I brought you here to live. As you know, your dad and I were friends. Praise God. And your grandfather and I, well, we had a past. But that's in the past. Your grandfather owned all this land over here. So you know what I'm going to do, Mephibosheth? I'm going to give it to you. Praise God. <laughs> I'm going to give it to you. And I'm going to give you people to farm the land and to nurture the land. And you're going to eat here with me from now on. And do you know how Mephibosheth responds? Look at verse 8 in the chapter. Mephibosheth bowed respectfully and exclaimed, Who is your servant that you should show such kindness to a dead dog like me. He couldn't even see himself the way the king saw him. Even though he got invited to the palace, even though he got invited to dinner to sit at the table with the king, what's running through his mind is, I'm a dead dog, and I don't deserve to be at this table. And here's the goodness of Kadesh. Y'all not ready for this. God have mercy. Look at the next verse. He says, he's like, now I don't know what you have to do. I mean, like we just watched a horrific documentary 
on World War II. And when they showed the colossal catastrophes and destruction of worldwide war, we were just like, <gasps> I was like, oh, I can't, I can't watch anymore. I can't watch anymore. They, like, it's in color. It's like wild footage. And there's one thing when you see uh, a human body that's dead and decaying, you're like, oh. But I don't know what you think, the metaphor of like a dead dog. This is what Mephibosheth is saying. He's like, listen, what am I to you? Why are you showing me such kindness when I'm a dead, I'm like a dead dog? And watch what Kadesh does. David doesn't even acknowledge it. Then the king summoned Saul's servants, Ziba, and said, I have given your master's grandson everything that belonged to Saul and his family. You and your sons and servants are to farm the land for him to produce food for your master's household. But Mephibosheth, your master's grandson, will eat here at my table. Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. Praise God. Kadesh moves right beyond how you see yourself to, enow, to enable you to walk in what God has for you nonetheless. Even though you want to disqualify yourself from the blessings of God, the goodness of God, the provision of God, Kadesh says, I'm still going to give it to you. I'm still going to bless you. I'm still going to let you walk in this provision that I have for you. Now, watch this. I'm going to give you a few things that I want you to understand and consider. Kadesh, okay? It shows no bias. Look at verse, watch this. Look at verse 1. Go to verse 1 of the chapter, chapter 9. Praise God. He says, one day, David asked, is anyone in Saul's family still alive? Anyone to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? He summoned a man named Ziba who had been with Saul's servants, one of Saul's servants. Are you Ziba, the king asked? Yes, sir, I am, Ziba replied. The king then asked him, is anyone still alive from Saul's family? I want to show God's kindness to them. Ziba replied, yes, one of Jonathan's sons is still alive. He's crippled on both feet. Did you catch the word there, anyone? Anyone. See, God's kindness, his love, his favor is for anyone. Oh, God, help me. See, when we belong to Jesus, it's easy, it's stuff, we're all human, but we can't afford to be petty. At some point, we grow to a place where we stop punishing people for the mistakes of the past. And you tell people who don't even deserve to sit with you, guess who's coming to dinner? Come sit down. Let's be reconciled. And if we can't be reconciled, let's resolve whatever it is between us so that we can go on with our lives. Kadesh doesn't show bias. Remember, David said, anyone, I don't care if they're crippled. I don't care if they're lame. I don't care if they're blind. I don't care if they're a thief. I don't care what they've been into. I don't care if they're a murderer. Whoever they are, bring them to the table. The love of God is not biased. Bring them. Doesn't this sound just like our Lord Jesus? Look at Luke 14, 21 through 24. The servant returned and told his master, 
what they had said. His master was furious and said, go quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and invite the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. And after the servant had done this, he reported, there's still room for more. So his master said, go out into the country lanes and behind the hedges and urge anyone urge anyone you find to come so that the house will be full. For none of those I first invited will get invited or even the smallest taste of my banquet. The Lord is like, guess who's coming to dinner? Praise God. This is how the kingdom is a great place to find your place. No matter what your background is, you can come to dinner. No matter what your financial status is, you can come to dinner. No matter what your ethnicity, you can come to dinner. No matter what you've been through, you can come to dinner. Bitter, you can come to dinner. Confused, arrogant, unforgiving, cheater, liar, thief, addict, you can come to dinner. Kashed, there's no bias. Kashed doesn't bully either. Can you imagine Mephibosheth crippled? Crippled, fam, you gotta catch this, crippled. David is the king. Slain his tens of thousands. Every enemy that stood against him, God has vanquished them all. There's peace and harmony. David is one of the few leaders. This is why we talk about the Lord's reign and scripture likens it to that of David because David was a unifier. David brought the nations together. Israel was a divided nation. You had the southern tribe and the northern tribes and David brings them together in this. And, but what's interesting is David is that unifier. He is somebody who knows how to bring people together and encourage people. Mephibosheth is afraid. And David says, don't be afraid. I intend to show you kindness. Don't be afraid to come over for dinner. Don't be afraid to sit at this table. I know you're probably intimidated. I know you had a thousand thoughts running through your mind, but I want you to take all of that intimidation and throw it away. Don't be afraid. I intend to show you kindness. Did you catch that? There's an intentionality behind God. There's an intentionality to God's grace. There's an intentionality to God's love. I know what you've been through. I know where you are. I know who you are. I know where you come from. And I intend to show you kindness because of a promise I gave your father, Jonathan. Praise God. Anybody ever received a promise from somebody? Just throw your hand in the air. Okay? All right, hands back down. Anybody who ever had somebody give you a promise? Break that promise? Oh, yeah. Okay. I promise I'll get you that money next week. Yeah, Pastor Barry, like I've been there, done that, got a t-shirt. I promise I'll never do that again. I promise this won't change our relationship. Yeah, I got that one hit a little too close to home. This is what David is saying. I made a promise to your dad, and man is not even around anymore, and I'm still not going to break it. 
Jonathan wouldn't even know if I followed through on the promise, but I'm a man of my word. Isn't David acting like God? He wants him to come to dinner and relax. I'm not just going to have a conversation about your grandfather. You can chill. I'm not bringing up the past. I just want to sit at the table with you. I want to show you kindness. Not one time and send you back to where you come from. No, I want to establish, hear me, a new normal with you. So, Kashed doesn't bully, there's no bias, and it doesn't isolate. Watch this. Look at verse 13. And Mephibosheth, who was crippled in both feet. I ain't making fun of crippled folks, but my feet look pretty rough. Praise God. You know what? Look at, and lived in Jerusalem and ate regularly at the king's table. How many times is the writer going to let us know he's crippled? Heather caught that. I'm like, how many times? I'm like, this man, cripple, cripple, cripple. At the start, he's crippled. In the middle, he's crippled. In the end, he is crippled. He ate food every day, crippled. God restored everything to him, but he was still crippled. God restored all of his grandfather's land to him, crippled. Crippled, crippled, crippled. He never got healed from being crippled. He never took another normal step in his life. His babysitter dropped him when he was about four or five years old, and it crippled him. And he was never the same, yet he was still at the table. Still walking crippled, but at the table. Still coming to dinner crippled. Still going to get the lamb that the king gave him crippled. But you know what? He never got better. He never, let me rephrase this. He never had to get better before he had a seat at the table. <laughs> Praise God. I'm going to preach myself happy. That's okay. I'll preach myself happy. And he didn't have to even get better once he sat down, Bishop. I'm telling you, you can come to dinner and dine with God. God's not, there's nothing you have done that's disqualified you. The goodness of God, the mercy of God, the love of God is drawing all of us. Plus, I almost did this, but you know me. When this happens when I work on my sermons on Friday and Saturday nights, I kind of knew what I was going to be preaching. But, and then I finally had this idea. I was, I said, let me stop. Because I, I had a little illustration last week. You know, and I thought, well, I'm not Sherry O'Donnell, so I need to just chill with the illustrations. But I, I almost had another one. I almost had a nice table come and set up, and, you know, I was going to put it and sit at the table and have people come and sit around the table. And I had this thought because, you know what, when there's a table there and you want a nice little setup, you put a tablecloth over it. And can you imagine Mephibosheth sitting at that table? Sitting at the table, it looks the same. As everybody else. Praise God. You know, uh, it's, it's the tablecloth of grace. 
It's only when we get up that we're reminded of how broken we really are. Now, at this point in my message of 40 minutes, if you haven't figured out that you and I are Mephibosheth, I'm going to need you to catch up. I'm going to need you to catch up. I'm going to need you to catch up. Every single one of us is broken in some way. And if you don't think you're broken, that's why you're broken. I'm just saying. And what David is doing at this moment is such a type and shadow of what Jesus does for us. Watch this, Ephesians 2, 4 through 7. And I did say 30, 35, well, I said 43 minutes, but y'all responded like you need to do it in 30, bruh. I'll call them musicians. I'll go ahead and wrap it up. But watch this. Let me show you Ephesians 2, 4 through 7. But God is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much, Pastor Barry, that even though we were dead, like a dead dog. Isn't that what Mephibosheth said? Dead because of our sins. He gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It's only by God's grace that you have been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and, watch this, seated us with him. Guess who's coming to dinner? Praise God. Seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. So God can point to us all, point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness toward us. As shown in all he has done for us, for who are united with Christ Jesus. Guess who's coming to dinner. You might be thinking, well, I got a past. I can't come. If Elvis can come to dinner, you can come to dinner. You might be thinking, you know what? Man, I've, I've got some addictions in my life. I've got some struggles. If Akil can come to dinner, you can come to dinner. There's people right now that might be called to preach the Word of God. And you're disqualifying yourself. If God can call Barry the grass to dinner, he can call you to dinner. God is not isolating any of us. He wants everyone to come to the table and eat in the kingdom. He doesn't have a place where white people over there, brown people over there, Black people over here, my biracial baby, they just, like, where do I belong? That's not how God works. When God looks at the people of God, heaven sees one body. <sighs> the, 
there, there, there's, there's, there's no cliques or factions. There's, there's no, there's, there's no, there's no ethnicities like, oh, the Africans are here and the, the Asians are here and the Caribbeans are here and the Europeans over here and the Americans over here and the Indians over here. No, he sees one body. This is why everybody is welcome at Extraordinary Church. This is why no matter your ethnicity, no matter your creed, no matter your color, no matter your faith tradition, no matter your background, God wants everybody to come. Did he not say, yeah, go get the cripple. Go get the lame. Go get the blind. And after he said that, guess what? There's still room at the table. Praise God. I want us to stand. So my, I wonder, what is the Lord speaking to you right now in this message? We had a powerful time. And I felt like I wanted to deliver this. But my question to you is, are you coming to dinner? Are you coming to dinner? The Lord is in this place speaking. His grace and mercy are drawing. The question is, are you coming to dinner? Every head is bowed, every eye is closed. His goodness is here, praise God. His grace is in this place. Why don't you just begin to let God talk to you? Why don't you just begin to let God speak to you for a moment? I believe as you, you do that, the Lord will begin to draw you. You know you've received the invitation. Don't resist the invitation. The question is, are you coming to dinner? What he's got prepared for you is a love that will blow your mind. What he's got prepared for you is a grace that you can never exhaust. What he's got prepared for you is a mercy that will be new every morning. What he's got prepared for you is to live on the inside of you and fill you with his spirit. What he's got prepared for you, if you've never been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ and you take that step, is to wash away everything that you will have ever done. Praise God. Kadesh. There's no bias. There's no bullying. Praise God. There's no isolating. It's a love so expansive. It's scandalous. I know you might not like that word, but the love of God will get with anybody. The love of God will get with anybody. Don't you think for one moment you've disqualified yourself from the love of God. I want to thank everybody watching online. God bless you. Come back in and see us in person next Sunday. We're going to have an amazing time. It'll be the last Sunday of our year in person together. But right now, I'm going to give us an opportunity to respond in person to what the Lord is doing. If you're ready to come to dinner and get what God wants. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Join us next week for another message of hope and life in Jesus. If you like what you just heard, we hope you'll pass along our web address to all of your friends. Extraordinary Church, 
www.ccfellowship.ca. We are a young church plant with a lot of people living an extraordinary life in Jesus. If you're looking for a way to become better connected to what God is doing, email us, info at extraordinarychurch.ca. We'd love to hear from you.